let's uh, let's open up our Bibles. We're in Second Corinthians chapter three, and if you're joining us in India or some other country, we're glad that you're with us tonight. We're continuing our Credible Christian Life sermon series in the book of Second Corinthians chapter three, and uh, uh, tonight we're going to look at the first. Well, we're going to look at that chapter. There's uh, 18 verses in chapter three. And uh, we're going to read them all, and I cannot promise, and I'm pretty certain we'll not get through them all tonight, but uh, we'll get started on it. So, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to go ahead and read, uh, and we'll uh, jump into the text. It says here, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust uh, have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but, uh, but our uh, sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us ministers... I'm sorry, able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if uh, the ministration of death, written and engraven in stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall uh, not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious. For if the ministration of, the, of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceeding glory. For even that which was made glorious uh, had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. This is where it gets a little wordy. Now, I'm glad Paul's wordy because I'm wordy too. For if that which is done away was glorious, uh, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. Uh, But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil, the Old Testament, (coughs) I'm sorry, which veil is done away in Christ? Uh, And of course, when he says that, he's also referencing the veil. We'll get to that in a few minutes regarding the veil in the temple. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, uh, when it shall turn, uh, when when it, meaning Israel, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's a wonderful passage, Heavenly Father. Uh, that's a that's glorious to think about that in the true sense of the word as we look into the word of God as we are now uh, looking into the perfect law of liberty the freedom that we have to be changed from the inside out the veil is rent and, and the glory of God now floods our soul uh, there used to be a hymn about that uh, uh, heaven came down and glory filled our soul and so Lord here we are today um, uh, with the glory of God manifesting your light uh, and your life through our lives what a glorious thing that Paul's writing about, Lord. And we just praise you and thank you for just giving us this reality uh, in the Word tonight. We pray a blessing on the reading and hearing and the learning of the Word of God teaching tonight. Thank you for all that's gone on, Lord. We've had a very uh, active day here at HBF, an active weekend, an active week, active month. 
and uh, we have more in store. You have us in motion right now, and um, and Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bring nourishment to our body tonight, uh, today, tomorrow, this weekend, this coming Wednesday, Lord, uh, through all the meetings and the engagements we have, Lord, I pray the Spirit of God would infuse us and fill us to the full so that we can um, run with patience the race that you set before us and that we could bring you honor and glory in the, in the day of the Lord and when you come for us to catch us away uh, before Daniel's 70th week. So we praise you and we thank you for this time in your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, tonight we're going to be looking at our, our Credible Christian Life Study. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, thank you, Jeff, for filling in last week. Appreciate that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, before Jeff came in, we, we looked at the Credible Christian's uh, how they communicate biblically. This was in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We saw that credible Christians care for the body in verses 5 through 11 of the previous chapter. We saw that credible Christians give God uh, the credit uh, in uh, verses 12 through 16. And we saw that credible Christians do not compromise. Uh, very much what I'll be talking about in, uh, coming up with uh, the apostles uh, in the book of Acts as well, uh, starting next week. But uh, that confidence is, 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 is uh, manifest in that uncompromising um, motion uh, toward God at all costs. So tonight we're going to see that, that Paul will lay out uh, his, the stamp of approval for the credible Christian. Even though we know Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, there were some in Corinth who questioned his authenticity. Uh, some of the believers wanted a letter with a seal from another authority, you know, like one of the apostles in Jerusalem. Um, that Paul was a legitimate, you know, apostle. And while uh, that was likely a good idea for most speakers who came through Corinth, Paul uses this chapter to give evidence of why his ministry is legitimate. And uh, this issue was not a new one in Corinth. Paul wrote in his first epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 9, uh, and I have the clicker, which last time I had, I didn't move one slide last time. It was my button bad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 12, the or verse 2, it says, if... If I be not an apostle unto others, yea, doubtless I am to you, for the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. And so <clears throat> this concept that we just read in chapter, uh, in chapter 3 is something that the Apostle Paul had already introduced in chapter, uh, in this first, really that's the second epistle, but the first one that we have in our Bible, he introduced to the Corinthians. And, uh, and so uh, they are his seal, uh, them being there. Um, and so, and there's some truth to that, <clears throat> and not some truth, there's truth to that, I shouldn't say some truth to that, there's a reason I say some truth, actually, I was thinking in my heart, let me define why I said that, because there's a preacher in town, in the metro, not in Harrisonville, that um, claims me as a son in the Lord, and he's not wrong, so, um, but uh, I don't claim him, so anyway, that's another story, but <laughs> he's a rascal, but uh, um, well, anyway, that's another thing. I can't deny it, though. If someone leads you to Christ and leads someone to Christ, you know, praise God for how they use them. But anyway, Paul's saying, you guys are here at Corinth, and you're going forward because, well, God, God used me, and I was the apostle. And so that's true. And so, uh, so there's illustration here. Throughout history, we've always uh, sealed documents to prove authenticity, and most of us uh, hired a notary to seal an agreement between ourselves and another party. Kathy Cundiff is a notary. I think Rick is too. That's important here at HBF because we need plenty of notarization. And then, um, you know, graduates from high school and college. Rachel just graduated, right? I bet she had a little seal on her diploma. Oh, okay. 
typically on a diploma you get a seal, you know, that, that validates the authenticity um, and uh, from an educational institute. Uh, and so, and even the food we eat comes with seals on it, right, stamps, uh, to indicate the meat has met the requirements necessary for consumption uh, by the uh, Food and Drug Administration, typically, FDA. So as Christians, uh, uh, the seal of our, our authenticity is the Spirit of God, right? So our seal is the Holy Spirit. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, and you don't have to turn there, it's on the screen. It says in, you do, Ron. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, uh, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. And so that is an incredible seal because uh, it actually deals with the earnest of our inheritance, meaning God is good for the purchased possession. So our redemption is ab absolutely secure because of the seal of the Holy Ghost, and that's amazing. So the Spirit, of our, the spirit is our seal, um, and, and uh, start, uh, stating that we are legitimately sons of God and have been purchased by the blood, and we've received the free gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. So what a great thing. However, Paul is going beyond the letter uh, to the evidence, right? He's not just talking about the letter. He's talking about, you know, the liberty and the evidence that's, that's occurred. When, when I worked in the construction industry, I had to prepare drawings for projects. And, and when we went to the city for permits, the drawings had to have a seal on them. And that seal, um, well, that's, that's the easy part. Uh, the part that, that makes buildings come together in those, uh, or those <coughs> uh, of those who design them and put them together, uh, that's the hard part, right? The easy part is me putting it on paper and getting a seal. The hard part is doing all the work you got to do to build the building. And so you can hire many people to, to seal a set of drawings uh, saying that they'll meet the code requirements for municipality. What's more difficult is to find someone who can put together the drawings or an engineer who actually knows what they're doing so you can build from it, right? So you can give a drawing to somebody with a seal, but you really got to have information in the drawing that can actually be ran with that can actually be built otherwise you're going to build it wrong you're going to construct it wrong and so paul was interested in providing a seal of of his credentials because the evidence of his authenticity and credibility was found uh, in the building constructed by god it wasn't just in the fact that uh, he was sealed and, and certified it was the fact they were there that god was building that church and and paul didn't need a letter stating that he was sealed with the Spirit because his life reflected the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was working in the lives of Corinth. And so if you are a Christian, the question is, does our life give evidence? And you, I know everyone here professes Christ. So is our life really giving evidence that we are sealed with the Spirit of God? Um, our authenticity is not found in what we say or even what we write, but in the construction of our lives, right? Are we put together in a way that people know that person is... They're in God's. They are part of God's building. They are God's husbandry. They're part of the. They're in the vine, right? They are. They are part of the body of Christ. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and so that's the real question we have to ask: Is there evidence in our life? Um, and so our our authenticity <coughs> um, will be manifest in a holy nature, right? So we got to allow God, and have we allowed God to tear out the sin and replace it with His holy nature? Because if, if we don't give God liberty uh, to do the work that he needs to do in our lives, 
uh, then you know what Ephesians is all about building, just like Rome. Romans is a, a lot of you know Rome in general is about building. You know, a bunch of Gentiles building roads, building infrastructure, building economy, building armies. You know, you just go on and on, right? That's what Gentiles do. Um, and so you know, but God's doing the building process, and uh, and so. Uh, we are all a work in progress, but the more our lives reflect the one who lives in us, the less we need to explain to others that we are Christians. This has happened. I did not plan all this. It goes hand in hand with what I'm doing on, in Acts right now or finishing up. So the more, <coughs> the more others will be asking us you know, how to become Christians. When they realize that we are Christians, then it's more likely that they'll be wanting to know how to become Christians. So most of us live in Missouri, and uh, we show people Christ, and they will naturally want to know, and they will naturally want to know Him. Um, in First Peter chapter uh, three and verse fifteen, the Bible says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to the, every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." So the minority will always want to see your credentials in writing. The majority actually want to see folks. Um, uh, that have Jesus working in their life. People really want to see the evidence of Christ in our lives. It's, it's really not what we say. It's really who we are. That's what people are looking for. And so, um, you know, the question for a saint is, are we filled with the Spirit? Not are we sealed with the Spirit, but is the Spirit in control? Are we, allowing the, are we yielded to the Spirit's influence? Are we under the influence? Not drunk with wine, we're in his excess. But are we filled with the Spirit? Are we allowed, allowing the Spirit of God that lives within us to control us? So we see in chapter 3, three ways to see the evidence of a Spirit-filled Christian, which you guys are waiting on. You're like, when are you going to get to it? Well, I finally am. So the three things, and this is, I'll just give you the outline before we start for everything, uh, is spiritual fruit, spiritual ministry, and spiritual growth. Those are the three things that we're going to look at. The first thing that we see on the outline here is where is the spiritual fruit and I'm just so tempted to make a comment about where's the beef, but I'm not going to. So where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? <laughs> so in verses 1 through 3 there, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some other epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our, our epistle written in, in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered, to, uh, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshy tables of the heart. So Paul's saying something right there. He just, he just said something in Second Corinthians chapter uh, 2, uh, or chapter 3. And starting in verse 1, the first thing he says is uh, some others, right, uh, were requesting Paul to send a letter of commendation. He says, do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we uh, as some others? Right, so there's some others. There's always somebody, right? We always say that. You even say that a lot. We say that. There's always somebody. Oh, they're flipping it up here for me because I'm getting far behind. Thank you, guys. Um, there's always somebody. Paul had an excellent pedigree, um, uh, but he did not choose to use it when ministering to the people he loved. Um, and so he had credentials. He just chose not to use them. And so uh, in Philippians 3, I didn't have the verse on the screen, so you'll have to follow along and look it up. It says, For we are the circumcision, uh, in Philippians 3.3, 3, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have uh, in the flesh. I don't think that's what it says. Hang on. I think I had a mistype here. Let me reread that out of the Word of God itself. Can't trust technology. I think we had a problem here. 
All right, chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Yeah, that is not what my text says. Uh, Though I might have, uh, have also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, I counted for loss, or counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of uh, God by faith. All right, so, you know, what Paul is saying there is that, you know what, I count, I count my life, I, th- I count my life as done, but I count my faith in Christ, um, uh, you know, the faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That is what really is important in my life. That's the credibility that he needed, is Christ's righteousness. So point B um, in your outline, our credibility is found in spiritual fruit of discipleship. Our credibility is found in spiritual fruit of discipleship. It's not found in religious. Uh, it's not found in religious uh, <clears throat> credentials. It's found in the fruit of discipleship. And and so in verses two and three, we see that the apostle Paul. <clears throat> get back there. Uh, you are epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You know he, he Paul's letter of recommendation was the fruit of Corinth. The evidence of our legitimacy is found in our hearts. You know, what does our heart say about those uh, you have invested the gospel in? You know, that's a really good question. What's your heart tell you about that? Think about the people you minister to and we minister to. Um, No matter what happens, people you've invested your life into, they know you love them. They they know. I had someone one time, they were all crossed with, with the church and with me. Not so much me, but with the church, which in essence was me because I'm the pastor. And I, you know what I tell them? I just told them, you know what? I'm sorry, but I love you anyway. I just, I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help but love you. So I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm going to, I love you anyway. Why? Because, well, I, I actually took this person through discipleship and I loved them and I still love them. And I can't help them because they aren't helping themselves. But uh, you know what? It doesn't change your heart investment. You know, you still love people. No matter what happens, people you've invested your life into will know you love them. And that's undeniable. Um, there's a difference between investing knowledge and investing life. Right? You can just download information and keep moving. It doesn't really bother you too much. But once you get your heart invested in somebody, it does. It does kind of, it, 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 uh, it, yeah, changes the dynamic of the relationship for sure. And that's really what Paul's saying. It's like, guys, I don't need credentials because it's written in the heart. Um, and so, you know, some of you guys know James Fife. I just saw him Friday night. Uh, before he was a missionary to Spain and Pakistan, and uh, he was going to El Salvador. And uh, he used to be on my basketball team back when Jason was on my basketball team way back in the day. And uh, he was in the youth group back at KCBT. And uh, in 2006, you know, as he was preparing to be a youth pastor in San Salvador under Jim Mel. Um, I hadn't seen James in several years. As a matter of fact, I wasn't sure what happened to James, and I was so excited that he was in the ministry because a lot of the kids of that generation kind of 
we had sin er erupted in our church, and a lot of kids fell away at, at his age uh, because of, of the uh, sin in the body of Christ, but in part. Uh, but many years, uh, you know, before James, many years ago, before James had left for San Salvador, um, and and has and really walked out the walk that he's had to this point, uh, he saw me at a wedding and he approached me and uh, he thanked me. Uh, he thanked me for investing in his life at a key time. And I'm like, okay, you know, I always loved little James Fife because he was little in the youth group uh, on the basketball team. Jason would like tower over Fife. Fife was, you know. Little, little bitty dude but um, but anyway uh, I don't really remember anything spectacular I did to, with James I don't think I taught him anything in the Bible that was really revolutionary um, I just loved him I just loved I loved I loved your son Jason you know I still have a special relationship with Jason Shreve because Jason knows I love him when I run into him we just we connect same with Fife and um and so when you invest in people like that, you know what? There is a, there's a heart connection there that happens. And so, um, he, but he told me, he says, hey, I'm looking at going to El Salvador and being a youth pastor with Jim Mel. I remember just going, are you kidding me? That is awesome, James. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not the primary influence in his life. Actually, his father was Doug Fife, who was an outstanding man. And, uh, and so, but I had a piece of that, you know, enough that he actually approached me and acknowledged it. And I, I'm still talking about it years later, you know, and so. Because that was meaningful to me. I was like, wow, man, praise the Lord. I remember going to his wrestling matches in high school, or a wrestling match. I don't remember how many. But it was just a, it was a little things. Just take a note, you know, of those things. And, um, and the, the, the deal is, is that Fife knows is he's, he's written in my heart. You know, that's the bottom line. And so uh, this concept is the essence of discipleship. Same thing with Doug Howie, right? Uh, Doug Howie, yeah, we went through some lessons. But Doug Howie, he's written in my heart. It just doesn't matter, and vice versa. So we don't have, you know, people like that, you can be away for years and then they just pick up, you know, get on the phone and it's just like there's no time has passed. And so it's a blessing. And so uh, this is the concept, really, the essence. Uh, I'm back over discipleship pastorally here at Heartland. That's the essence, really, of what discipleship is about. It's not void of doctrine, and we got to be careful there because some people get so relational, they leave off the doctrine. The doctrine is the primary issue. But the relationship is huge in regard to, to reprodu reproducing fruit. It's not only a transfer of knowledge, it's a, it's a discipleship, it's a transfer of life. So we've got to make sure we're not just investing information, but we've got to invest our heart into people. And that's what Paul had done with the Corinthians, and I think you guys know that. So, uh, so people should find God's handiwork in the fruit that we leave behind, that's for sure. And uh, where am I? I? I think I'm lost on my notes here. I went there, and I'm there. Yeah, I didn't give you guys a very good outline, so forgive me for that. So, um, but uh, people should find God's handiwork in the fruit that we leave behind in uh, verses in verse three. That's what happens. You, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us. Notice he he gives the credit to Christ, but he says, but we were you were ministered, you were served by us, written not with ink, with the, uh, but with the Spirit of the Living God. Uh, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You can go too far with that, you know, that spiritual, um, you know, I'm your father in the Lord, because some people lord over people, right? So, hey, back off, pal. Jesus Christ, I like the way Paul says that, for as much as you're manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered, right, served by us, right? So 
we, we're investing in people because Christ is doing the real work. We're just, we have the privilege of serving and investing in other people's lives. So we do have to be careful. You know, even physical parents have to be careful of that because your children are only yours for a season. Ultimately, they're God's. If you're really a wise parent, you realize that sooner than later, that you want to raise up your kids to be given back to the Lord. And so uh, you, you're a steward of that child. You don't own them, right? You'll be, you know, that'll just cause rebellion. But you're to nurture them. That's why they're like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. They're intended to be launched and, and meet with the enemies at the gate, right? And, and, do, and that really, when you go study that passage, it means to do battle with the enemies at the gate. And so, uh, so our kids are meant, uh, you know, and think about it. When you get older, you know, if I had to go to battle, when I was in my 20s, I had probably would have been much more uh, useful in a battle physically than I would be today, right? You need to have children to go out in your stead because uh, you may grow wiser, but you don't necessarily grow stronger physically, right? So you've got to have disciples because we're all on a, we're all, we all have a shelf life. And eventually, uh, we fade away and uh, when we have to have reproduction. And so, discipleship. All right, you guys know all that. So, um, the, the notice that the church, uh, the, the church uh, notice that the church was the church at Corinth. What am I trying to say? The church at Corinth was obviously manifest, right, to be the epistle or the letter uh, of God's, God had written in the hearts of those, of that particular congregation. So should we, we should want to uh, we, we should want those we invest our lives in to reflect Christ, not ourselves. So Paul isn't saying I want you to be like me, although he says follow me as I follow Christ. He really wants them to be a manifest uh, a manifestation of uh, of Christ, right? That's what he's talking about. Um, you know, if I don't care if James five walks, if I don't care what he walks like, what he talks like, uh, what he preaches like, you know, I don't care if it's like me. Um, what I want people I disciple to, to be like is Jesus, right? That's the issue. It's not being like me, you know. Oh, you're a disciple of Brian, so you must preach like Brian. You must think like Brian. Bill Johnson's a disciple of mine, but he doesn't. We're totally different people, right? So that's great, right? As long as we're like Christ, that's what matters. What we ought to be, all of us ought to be similar in that we reflect the Father, our Father in heaven. Because he's ultimately the father. He's the one, the seed that we're carrying. He's the image in which we're reflecting. So God's heart is all about sacrificing to see souls reconciled to himself. And we know that's part of his mission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So if we don't understand the importance of bearing spiritual fruit, we'll have nothing that lasts to the judgment seat of Christ. Now that is important. And that is why I have John 15. And we'll stop on this point when I get done here. John 15, um, uh, verses 1 through 8. Let's look at that together. We're going to go old school here and look it up in the Bible. Imagine that. John chapter 15 and verses 1 through 8. Now Paul, or Paul, Jesus here speaking, he says, I am the true vine, and I am the vine, and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, Right? He's washed him in the water of his word, right? In verse 3. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall 
Ask what you will, and it will it uh, shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Amen and amen. And so we always we always get this, uh, you know, that outline of bearing fruit, you know, more fruit, uh, much fruit in verse 5, more fruit in verse 2, much fruit in verse 5, and much fruit in verse 8. And so God wants us to bear much fruit. Uh, and so Jesus' disciples bear the fruit of discipleship. In, in chapter, the same chapter in uh, verse 6, uh, notice he says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If we choose not to bear fruit, then we'll suffer loss, even though our souls are preserved. Now, of course, this is the gospel to the, of John, so it's not... Uh, you know, it's not talking about losing our salvation in regard to the, the church. We can't do that because our souls are sealed. But you know what we can lose is reward. We can lose our inheritance. And so um, I was working with someone on uh, their inheritance and uh, with an attorney, not their inheritance, their will. And the attorney said, and the, and the person's like, you know, my such and such hasn't treated me right. I don't think I'm going to give him anything. And so... Uh, the attorney was like, you know, you really ought to think about that because you're going to cause strife in your family. But you know what? They did. Their heart wasn't to give equally to everybody what, you know, distribute equally out the assets, so to speak, because they didn't feel like some of their offspring deserved it, you know. And uh, those are those are real issues in people's hearts. And so the attorney was actually, was a wise attorney. He says, you probably don't want to leave that as a lasting memory. So it's just stuff. Give it to them equally so there's no strife in the family. That's probably wise counsel. But it was interesting because I actually have seen someone battle over that in their heart. I'm like, you know, this kid deserves more than this kid in my estimation. It's my stuff, right? Why? Because, well, they don't, they don't show up. They don't, they don't, no, they're just not very good. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't mean I disown them. It just means I'm not ready to give out my retirement funds to him. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I have a friend of mine that did that. He asked for his, his inheritance um, in his 20s from his mother and father, and uh, they gave it to him. And it was tens of thousands of dollars. And you know what he did with it? He blew it. Yep, just like the prodigal son. We got nothing to show for it. He's lived his life like that ever since. And I have to say, I discipled him. So he's still in my heart, and I, and I love him. Uh, he was the first person I discipled. So um, he taught me a lot. But this is consistent, you know, with what Paul records in his letter to the Corinthians. So in 1 Corinthians, and I do have this one on the screen. And um, no, that's 3 John. I'm supposed to have this on the screen, but I don't. So 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3 and verse 11 uh, it says, For other foundation can man, no man lay that is, the, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. So in a worldly sense, investment in real estate is a great idea, especially right now. I mean, if you invested in the downtimes and you were liquidating property today, kudos to you. I mean, you, you played the market right. I mean, that was a great deal. 
if you've been sitting on property for any time at all, now's a great time to liquidate it. But then you can't go buy anything because everything's overpriced. But anyway, um, you know, those, those are good investment strategies. But however, don't get caught up in investing in wood and in hay and in stubble because all those buildings are going to burn. We've got to invest in the most important thing, and that is the souls of men and women. And I think we have a great church that, that does that. Uh, God considered uh, men and women, by the way, to be precious stones. You can't burn up a stone. It's hard to burn a stone. You can burn down a house just like that. It's wood and it's hay and it's stubble. Uh, even a brick house, is, you can burn it because of all the framing. But, man, when it comes to people, they're like precious stones. You can throw the stone in the fire, build a fire on it, and nothing happens to it. It just gets hot and radiates heat. But it's, it's, it's going to endure. And that's why we need to invest in in gold, silver, precious stones. And like Paul, we don't have to wait till the judgment seat of Christ to see the fruit. Isn't that cool? So a lot of things we look to eternity by faith. I was just talking to Amy about that, about how much I was at a funeral. I was at Rex's, um, Rex Fugate's mom's funeral uh, just the other day, and, and uh, Brother Henry Green was just talking about, I went home talking about what, what uh, Henry was preaching on, and uh, just talking about how, you know, uh, uh, Laverne, uh, her, her faith is sight. He didn't quite say it that way, but there, it's just there. There is no more wishing for heaven. She's there. And that just really struck me as I was just standing there listening to him. I thought, you know, that is so true. Think about how, and I was telling Amy, you know, there's so much that we just do by faith. You know, everything in our life is based on faith in what we don't see yet. You know, I mean, including, you know, everything we're doing at this building. I mean, every, we're building Bibles by faith. We're, we're trusting that they're going to get to, to Sierra Leone and the church is going to get them and the saints are going to use them and that God, we don't know that's going to happen but we do know that's going to happen because that's God's will so we're doing that by faith but there's a day when, you know what you're going to have sight you know, and it's all going to be it's, it's going to be uh, you don't have to hope for it, it's, the hope is going to be reality, that's just awesome to think about when, when I started meditating on that at any rate, I bring that up because uh, because investing in people is a tangible reality that you can see now you don't have to wait to get to heaven yeah you get a return on your yeah you get an roi right right now when you invest your life in other people's lives there is a return on an investment and it's really awesome this church is like that for me i mean just the fact that we're here in this field you know uh it's craziness you know that we went from a bible study to church services to making bibles and you know, that's awesome. That's God. It isn't me. It's Christ. It's Christ working in a community and a group of people who love him and believe his word. It's awesome. So so like Paul, we, we don't have to wait until the judgment seat of Christ to see that fruit, right? We see it right now. When people get saved and they're added to the body, those two young ladies getting up there, got baptized, you know, they're new to, in Christ. We, we see, saw a young man last week. I wasn't here, but Jim, some guy responded to the gospel last Sunday. Praise God, man. That is That is tangible. And uh, it's, am it's amazing. You don't have to wait until eternity to see all that. And so uh, Third John, uh, which I do have on the screen, uh, says this. Um, Beloved, I wish above all things that, ye, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. And then, and of course, a very familiar passage to all of us. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So like Paul, we don't have to wait till the judgment seat of Christ to see the fruit of God's work in the fleshy tables of the heart. 
So Paul's talking to these Corinthians, and this is a good place to stop for tonight. Um, and he's talking to these Corinthians, and that's really what he's saying is, guys, I don't need a certificate. You're the evidence. I mean, it's written in the heart, man. You are the manifestation of God's work, of Christ, <clears throat> and our labor, our ministry, uh, our investment in you. So, uh, tonight as we go to prayer, you know, let's just ask ourselves, where is our spiritual fruit? I mean, I suspect in this room, all of us can have, we could point to a legacy of people's lives that are changed uh, because of our pursuit, not just of Christ, <clears throat> but the hearts of other people and investing the word of God in other people's hearts. You know what, though? But there's people that are investing in temporal things, even in our church, and their heart is wrapped around the temporal. You know, I've been wasting my time remodeling my bathroom. It has to get done. I mean, you got to do it. But you know what, Amy, that bathroom's going to burn. And uh, and uh, we're just going to be glad we have it for a while. But it ain't nothing like the souls of men. You know what, we have kids. We love our kids, right? We invest in them, man. We, we want to see what's best for them. And that's not just physical children. It's also spiritual children. So uh, so where is our fruit? Now, do we have any? If we don't have fruit, we really need to go back to the drawing board. Because God does want us to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish and we can come up with excuses well i'm not an evangelist i'm not a bible teacher blah 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 but you know what you are an investor everybody and i know i'm talking to the, the choir here this this evening but but everybody that's not represented tonight that is representing us out in the community is an investor whether they know it or not and really the time for us to see a, you know return on investment obviously we want to see it in eternity but man let's start seeing it today you know, that's not selfish. That's just that's just the blessings of God. Paul wasn't saying, give me all your money, set me up on a mansion. He's just saying, hey, can we have a relationship here uh, where you understand and acknowledge that Christ is the center of, of our community here. He's the center of everything we're doing. So anyway, that's point one. Next week we'll get together and we'll pick up, uh, you know, uh, the issue of, of finding this fruit, not just the spiritual fruit, in the lives of people, but we'll find, you know, where our fruit is in the New Testament, which you have that blank already filled in. So we'll get into the Word of God and, and really anchor that to the truth of God's Word. See, next Sunday night is, uh, they'll be working, so they're going to stop, either they're going to stop working and we're going to have service, or we're going to have service and they're going to stop working, so at least in, in the sanctuary, or we'll move it to my office. I think we could almost all fit in my office or the conference room or something, but we'll get it done. All right, so Ron, thanks for singing. Your singing is beautiful, brother. It's outstanding. Um, thank you for coming tonight. Let's do some praying. We have a very important prayer item tonight um, that we need to address, and that is we got several of them. We have a praise item, which is the Sierra Leone Bibles. Hallelujah. Uh, that was a big project. Thanks for investing so much of your life in that. And uh, I know it was not easy, so really appreciate you sharing. Uh, Sharon, you burned a lot of life out here this last week, and I pray that it'll result in multiple salvations. Yeah, Ron, and there's a, a lot of people. Catherine Weekland. Yeah, did I say week? Yeah, yeah, last month. Yeah, one of those weeks I was out built, working in a bathroom. Yeah, Doyle, what hard workers the Stanleys are. When I grow up, I want to be like Doyle. So... Yeah. Yeah, Midtown had a 
Yeah, Warrensburg came out, Bethel Baptist to Warrensburg. It's a it's quite a project. So it's awesome. So Yeah, well, that even the Bible publishing team, some of them had to be a part of that. It was kind of drug up early, but it it worked out. So I got it done. So praise the Lord for that. And um yeah, I, I want to, there's some needs in the body too. Pray for these two young girls that just got baptized and, and they also just got saved. So they're newly saved. They're, they're baby Christians. I saw that uh, one of them, Lily, I think's her name, she got, um, her birthday was today. So yeah, so praise the Lord for that. Um, but yeah, they're here. Yeah. And uh, they've been faithful for 